Coming up, a fascinating nonfiction book about an everyday object. A new book from two of my favorite graphic novelists. Plus, our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. My favorite pair of skinny jeans has front pockets that are so tiny, my fingers only fit into them up to the first knuckle. What is the point of that? Yeah, I've never understood that. Women's front pockets should either be functional or not there at all. It is enormously frustrating. And as you've pointed out, not at all unusual. Women's clothes either don't have pockets at all or tiny pockets or the worst, fake pockets. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why did the manufacturer even bother? Where was the designer? Yeah, you gotta wonder. Author Hannah Carlson wrote a book that answers these questions and more. It's called Pockets, an intimate history of how we keep things close. Did she get to the bottom of the pocket? <laughs> she did. Carlson teaches dress history and material culture at the Rhode Island School of Design. And she's trained as a costume conservator. All of that sounds so cool to me. Yeah. In this book, she explores how pockets have changed over the last few hundred years. In medieval times, there were no pockets. Men and women both carried their stuff in small bags or purses. Okay. She writes, quote, The medieval belt and purse were highly desirable accessories, marks of taste and wealth, an indicator of sex appeal. Really? Yes, because the particularly with the men, they had a tunic and they would put the belt on and it would pull in their waist and make their shoulders look broad. Hmm. Manly. She also includes a lively exploration of cod pieces oh. and how they may or may not have been used as pockets. Interesting. Yes. Didn't know that. Around the 17th century, pockets started to be sewn into clothing. Men's clothing, but not women's. Right. Despite their convenience, pockets were regarded as suspicious in some circles. Here's another quote from the book. Only the smallest minority of men were murderers or robbers who relied on pockets for their dastardly schemes. Hmm. I've never thought about using my pockets for dastardly schemes. <laughs> but now... Yeah. This book is packed with tons of really delightful illustrations and photos and reproductions of paintings, plus anecdotes and interesting details that are equally amusing and sometimes confounding. If you like delving into the mysteries of stuff we use every day, you will enjoy this book. It's Pockets, An Intimate History of How We Keep Things Close by Hannah Carlson. Jillian and Mariko Tamaki are cousins who work in comics and graphic novels. Sometimes they work together, sometimes they don't. In 2014, they released a fantastic graphic novel called This One Summer. I mentioned it when we were talking to Ann Bogle about a strong sense of summer on her show. That book was a magic trick for me. It made me feel like I was 13 and walking down a gravel road and flip-flops during the last week of July in about 1978. Nice. Yeah. It is a portrait of being a young teen during summer and all of the drama that entails. It is well-written and the art is gorgeous and fluid. It was transportative for me. That book went on to win a whole sack of awards, including the Caldecott Honor in 2015. The Tamaki Cousins have a new book out. It's called Roaming. And this time they take on what it means to be a young adult and what it's like to visit New York for the first time at that age. Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah. 
One of the reviewers said, quote, Roaming makes me want to be 17 all over again, mobbing the streets of NYC with my angsty, goofy, daredevil friends, skateboarding at the Cube on Astor Place, and riding the cyclone at Coney Island, screaming at the top of our lungs, feeling like nothing could ever stop us. The Tamakis give us NYC youth magic on a platter, scuffed with glitter, makeout sessions, and tour stops at Times Square. It's a love letter to the greatest city in the world and all the beautiful, tender, queer kids running wild and free. I'm very much looking forward to reading it. It just came out two weeks ago. If you're curious, there's an excerpt on the publisher's site. We'll point to that. It's Roaming by Jillian and Mariko Tamaki. And now our distraction of the week. On the southern coast of South Africa is a little town called Hermanus. I think the English pronounce it Hermanus. Or maybe that's just Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> it's about a 90-minute drive from Cape Town. It's a small fishing village, and about 6,000 people live there. They've got a couple of beautiful sand beaches and restaurants and shops. And from what I understand, it's usually pretty sleepy. Except that once a year, for a long weekend, about 150,000 people blow into town. Wow. Yeah. And they're there for the Hermanus Whale Festival. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah. Hermanus is famous among whale watchers. It is one of the best places in the world to see them, particularly from the shore. They've got three kinds of whales that tend to show up, humpbacks, brides, and the southern right. And the southern right whales are not afraid to come up to the shore, sometimes within 15 feet or so. That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah. There's an actual bay there that they use to rest and mate and give birth. They're taking care of whale business down there in Hermanus. One journalist reported seeing 50 whales in a day from the shore. Magic. Yeah, as she sat and enjoyed a tea from a seaside restaurant there. The festival is a celebration of the return of the southern right whales after their migration. The intention is to raise awareness about how to protect those animals. Biologists and conservationists are there to give talks and answer questions about sea life and local environment. But it is not all educational. There are also craftspeople with handmade African artwork and local musicians. There's a parade with classic cars and a brass band. There's food. Do you know about walkie-talkie? No. It's a popular street food dish. It's the head and feet of chicken fried up and seasoned. I mean, if it's deep fried, you can eat just about anything. Yeah. Bonus points for the good name, walkie-talkie. <laughs> for the slightly less adventuresome, there's Johnny's Roddy, which is a basically a lamb and cheese burrito. Oh, that sounds good. Yep. Or Boar Wars, which is straight up sausage with some coriander, cloves, and nutmeg. Yes. The festival also has a 10K fun run and a strongman competition. When I wrote this, my word processor wanted to help me and call that an intense man competition. <laughs> Thank you, Grammarly. <laughs> an intense man competition <laughs> would be very fun to attend, but... Kind of different. Very different. There's also a professional whale crier in Hermanus. His job is to walk up and down the shore and blow a horn when he spots the whales. What a fun job that would be. Yeah. He is apparently the only person in the world with that occupation. Sure. And of particular interest to us, there's a bookstore in Hermanus. It's called Hemingway's. They sell used books and trinkets from a very cute building about a block from the beach. 
If you Google Hermanus Hemingways, you'll see it. If you're more of an action figure, Hermanus is also not too far from an outfit that will put you in a cage so you can look at great white sharks close up. Hard pass. Yeah. But the Hermanus Whale Festival itself starts next Friday, the 29th. If you can't get there by then, it's not too early to start making plans for next year. Or you could just drop by. Whale season in Hermanus is from June through early December. I feel like we could get there by next Friday. Pack on my bags. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more info about how to see the whales in South Africa and all of the books we discussed today. You can also connect directly with the handy links in your podcast player. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. 